Welcome to the Dollars on a Dime podcast, where the husband and wife team of Tim and Alicia Braunschweig dive into the world of building generational wealth by conquering personal finances and building a real estate portfolio. Like many of you, Tim and Alicia thought finance and real estate were things that required an army of bankers, accountants, and investors to navigate and find success. What they found was a community of everyday people that are welcoming and passionate about helping others build their dreams of owning real estate. If you're interested in finance and real estate, join Alicia and Tim as they share their journey to becoming real estate investors, all while juggling corporate jobs, marriage, kids, creating businesses, meeting new friends, and diving headfirst into this new and exciting world. Sit back and enjoy this week's episode of Dollars on a Dime. Welcome back to another episode of Dollars on a Dime. We're switching it up a little bit today, so I'm going to do the intro and Alicia's going to sit over there and laugh at me and make fun of me for probably saying some stupid stuff. And we're going to start off with a new segment called Dime of the Week. So we're going to do a little recap of the week. And we're going to mention the dime we found. Alicia, what would you say is a special moment this week that is your finding of a dime? Well, it's funny. This is a literal finding of a dime. So I... Um... I travel a lot for work, which I feel incredible guilt as a mother for, and that will probably never go away. But I took my youngest on a girls' night last night, and we had parked when we got to the mall, and we get out of the car, and there's a dime, heads up. And I said, oh my gosh, it's Grandma Ev on our girls' night. And my daughter says, mom, that's literally just someone that dropped their change out of their pocket. I go, nope, it's her. It is her. She's with us. And she was not a believer. So then afterwards, we go to a restaurant and we park at the restaurant. We get out of the car, sure as shit, a dime, heads up, right outside of our car. And like we had waited for this parking spot. So, and I never wait to park. So it it was meant to be. And we found a second dime and she was with us throughout the night. So um, that got her to believe, which was very cool. Grandma Ev does not like (laughs) non-believers. Right? (laughs) Yeah, so that would be my um, literal finding of the dime. Yes. I guess my finding of the dime would be just all the great people we've met here. And starting a new business is always hard in a new state. And everybody that I know has been so gracious and offering my services up and trying to find me work. And Phil and Nikki had a seller who we're out of state and need some help. So found me another job. And, you know, it's just nice to have people that look out for you and are conscious of what you're trying to do and willing to help. And it's just an amazing community down here and such a small community and willing to help everybody. So that's my finding of a dime. You have a room full of those people today and the reason why we're here. Exactly. But we're really excited today. We have a couple of my wonderful friends from back home that moved down here before us. And they are part of the reason that we ended up where we ended up. And they are just wonderful human beings. They are always there whenever you need them. And so I'm happy to introduce Tiffany 
and Emily, who join us today. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> so they are both realtors in the state of Arizona, and they are going to give us their thoughts on the market. And why don't you each give us a quick background on yourselves and let us know who you are. And uh, I'm Tiffany Miller. Um, Emily and I get confusing for people in person and have for a long time. Um, but I think our voices are at least different enough. That'll help today. I have known Tim since I was, gosh, 16. Wow, that's a long time ago. <laughs> um, we went to high school together, and then we were lucky enough to meet Alicia when she, he brought her into our lives. And then once we started having kids, kind of didn't get to see each other too much. And then we ended up, my husband and I and our four kids moved down here to Arizona almost five years ago, actually, which is crazy. But And we moved down here with the intention of only being down here for three to five years. Um, my husband works for the airlines and is based down here, but our kids were really young, wanted more time together and thought, we'll just do it for a little while. And about a year into it, we both looked at each other and said, and we're not moving back. We'll be staying down here. Um, well, you didn't like the rain <laughs> and gloom of it, Washington? There was just no comparison to the amount of outdoor time and family time. And, and he would still have been based here as well. So we got used to him being home so much and our quality of life grew tenfold being here and we never expected that at all so um, it's hard being away from family but having your immediate family together so often and in such an amazing environment um, we created home here so we did that we bought our house about three and a half years ago and then <clears throat> I used to be a teacher and stopped teaching after my second kiddo was born and then never kind of got the drive to go back into it and had talked about doing real estate when I was in Washington but my kids were too young and it just does not did not fit our life at the time and it kind of just became the time came the time to finally try something new my kids were getting a little bit older um, my youngest at the time was in preschool still two youngest were both in preschool but had the time to kind of take the classes and Thankfully, positive one of the silver linings that came out of pandemic was things were all offered online. So I could do that with the kids at home and get those classes done and then just dove right in right away after that. And a lot of my business come from people like you who have come down from Washington or trying to escape the rain and come down and enjoy some sunshine and whether it's full time or part time <laughs> it tends to be <laughs> tends to be the, the main goal for people. There's a never-ending flow of people coming from Washington <laughs> currently, so uh -huh. it's a good uh, marketing strategy. It's, it is. It is. It's what it turned into. It wasn't the plan, but that's exactly what it turned into. <laughs> How about you, Emily? Well, thanks for having me on today, guys. It's uh, a pleasure to be with you guys. I'm so proud of you for doing this, first of all, and thank oh, you thank again you. for having us. But um, My name is Emily Laufer. I was born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska, actually. I uh, moved down to Arizona in my college years actually met my husband down here, um, ended up back in Washington State, which was his home state, where we spent 15 years. I don't know how we ended up there that long, <laughs> but <laughs> I had the pleasure of meeting all of you guys there, which was great, a blessing definitely in disguise for Washington. I got into property management early in Arizona and then again in Washington. I started out as a leasing agent, moved up to an assistant manager, became a property manager, um, which required me to get my real estate license. So that was kind of my intro to that side of real estate. Then as we kind of started our family, I wanted to have a little more flexibility in my schedule. So I thought, hey, maybe I'll 
go the agent route. That gives me a little more flexibility. And um, I did that for about a year in Washington and then decided, you know what, our family's growing. It's getting a little too crazy. The kids are really young. So I took a long break from all things real estate. Um, and then we moved down to Arizona. Gosh, it's almost been three years now. And we love it here. We met here. We knew that this was a place that we wanted to end up eventually. And so we were actually able to make the move sooner than we had hoped. And it has been just the most amazing change for us as, as it has been for you guys as well. Um, I decided I was going to get my real estate license down here, not knowing anyone, which was kind of crazy. I mean, real estate is definitely a business born of, you know, referrals and connections and that kind of thing. So uh, I thought I'm kind of crazy doing this down here, but like Tiffany, a lot of my business has come from friends in Washington and out of state that are looking to have, you know, a more sunshiny lifestyle like us. All right. So I, I love all of that. I think that it has absolutely changed our lives too. And the people that you meet here are incredible, like just absolutely kind, happy, nice, friendly, want to help, want to be part of your life. You two are definitely the picture of that for us. And we're very appreciative. And we have a lot of listeners that live in Washington. So listen up, guys. These are two very experienced friendly, kind people that would love to sell you a home. And on that note, I, you know, I'm biased, of course. I think we're all kind of biased in the room based off what we do for a living, but I think there is no better place to put your money than real estate. Hands down, bar none, the end. And especially what we saw with Silicon Valley Bank a couple of weeks ago and what had happened on that Friday. And had the feds not come in and backed that money, your money is gone it is gone. If it's tied up in a home or property or whatever it be, real estate, it's appreciating. That's so different. So my question for you and what I would love for you guys to answer in your professional opinion, because I am not on this side of the desk. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on it. What would you say to those people that are hesitant? They say, oh, the rates are too high, or I'm just not ready. And they have money either in equity or in their bank account, but they're not ready to get into real estate. What would you say given that parameter? I don't know that. Any, by the way, there's no such thing as I'm ready for real estate. It's making the decision that you are in a place to make a change. Now, you don't might not know what that change is, but people are always like, when's the best time to buy? The best time to buy is when you're ready to, to buy. The best time to sell is when you're ready to sell. And if you're not in that position, then none of the rest of it matters. You have to be willing because otherwise you end up miserable through the entire transaction and resentful before or afterward. And we've been and all met people that have been on either side of that. But I was just telling the story before when I um, bought my first condo up in Washington, it was almost 20 years ago, gulp, 15-ish, 20-ish, somewhere in there. They uh, And I had to pull out my paperwork the other day and my initial interest rate on that condo was 6.25%, which at the time was low and fantastic and nobody batted an eyelash at it because it was good and it was average and we were looking really good and so to have that kind of reality check that when we when i came into real estate working at real estate side and rates were super super low and people were frantically trying to buy it's because it wasn't normal it's because it was an anomaly of a time that things were happening 
in in the world and so it just became this go 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 now because we've never seen this well now things have come back up to these interest rates and people are like they're so high but but are they <laughs> are they really that high are they are they high compared to where they were absolutely are they high compared to life absolutely not they're actually sitting very consistently where they have been there are times where they go higher we had another little rate hike rate hike yesterday and that does get frustrating but there is a reality that we are seeing people kind of come to that oh this they aren't i mean yes you're going to be paying more right now than you were a couple years ago but you didn't jump on the train a couple years ago so you can't wait for it to go back down to that because again at that time the world was in chaos and do you really want to go back to that just to get a lower interest rate on your home so that's that's kind of the piece of it that people are finally realizing that so there are more people coming into the market unfortunately our biggest issue right now is our inventory there it's so low it's we're in what the 22nd 20 something week of inventory decreasing um, people keep waiting for the market to drop when are prices going to drop i think they we kind of already hit the drop and now we're going back to the in the other direction because inventory is not coming on the market when there's no market there's no nothing to buy you're going to have more competition and those prices aren't going anywhere it's just buying it's just a you know supply and demand which we all know when there's no demand when there's no supply you can't you can't demand a lower price because they kind of it's still a seller's market in some places so people that are waiting there are more people coming to that realization so we are seeing some more buyers but unfortunately we're not seeing the sellers right now so Kind of two parts to that. And real estate's never a bad investment, ever, at any point in time. I mean, there's so many different investment strategies or things that you can do with real estate. And I think if you're on the fence, the best thing you can do is educate yourself. Get out there and, and you know, listen to podcasts or watch videos or seek out mentorship from people that have had experience because... Uh, Real estate's never a bad investment. It's just not. I mean, in the 80s, we had interest rates up to 13%. I mean, could you imagine? We're at half that right now. And if you are in the market to buy, if you're ready to buy, like Tiffany said, then it's a great time to buy. Whether inventory is high or low, it, really, it's just about when it's right time for you to buy. I think some of it is is with those lower interest rates, people were able to trade up to larger homes or with the higher interest rates, you're not able to trade up three or four levels at one time. So they're seeing some frustration and wanting to be in something glamorous and huge. And having that interest rate reset is going to, it's going to be a slower climb, right? So with sellers not selling anymore because of their maybe concerned about not having the buyers, I guess it just gets to a point where you have to be a little more strategic about how you're investing your money and knowing that you're not going to get the Taj Mahal in the first shot, you have to start kind of slow, get something in that lower range and then work your way up. Yeah. I, Emily, you had posted something the other day and it was a story and I didn't snapshot it quick enough, but it was something like this scenario is way better at 7% than 3% and a hundred K over or something like that. Right. So a year ago, um, to give you kind of perspective, the market in Phoenix, January of last year, we had about 5,000 active homes on the market. We peaked in October October with about 20,000 homes on the market. 
right now we're back down to about 14. So we've kind of seen an up and down. But a year ago, you know, when we had such low inventory, people were paying 20, 40, 50, $100,000 over asking price to get in a home. And when you're talking about that just being extra money out, weigh that against paying, you know, maybe market price right now, but at a little bit higher interest rate, it kind of balances out. So something to think about. Also, while we're talking about that, as realtors and as lenders, if you talk with lenders, they have different programs, different strategies for helping you with that interest rate. So there's what's called a 2-1 buy down, very popular right now. Um, that's something that your lender can tell you about, but your realtor can work into the contract and negotiations to get you a lower rate for a short term, which is getting a lot of people in homes. It's super popular, very common strategy right now. There's also something I think people actually forget. <clears throat> I actually don't think I knew until more recently because it's become more common. I don't think people realize that actually if you're looking to be or to start an investment portfolio, this would change a little bit in your strategy. But if you have not purchased a home in the last three years, you're considered a first time home buyer. And therefore you qualify for all those first time home buyer programs. You can put less money down. That's not something people are aware of. They assume I already bought my first home. I'm good. And so I can't do that anymore. I have to have always have to have 20% down. That's not the case. So once you have waited those three years, you can use that program. And then if you're looking at investing, there's different ways, obviously, and different methods in investing in real estate and your timelines. But if that's something that's important to you is having that lower down payment, you wait three years and you automatically qualify as a first time home buyer again, which is something, again, people just aren't aware of. They assume I already bought one. That counted. My tally marks up and they don't know that. No, you qualify again three years automatically. You can do that again. So therefore you can get back into the home hacking, you know, live there for two years, rent it out, get an, another one after that. And I didn't realize it was three years and you can get back into that program. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome for people, especially if they're starting to wanting to start an investment portfolio. And a lot of times people say every two years, so you're not paying the capital gains on it. But if you are still looking at wanting to have a lower down payment, if you wait that one more year, you wait that third year, you can qualify for a lower down payment with a first time as a first time home buyer again. Yeah, that is really cool. And I think, have you guys heard that phrase, choose your hard? Mm -hmm. You know, this is hard, but yeah, that like owning long-term rentals or short-term rentals or any sort of investment property, it isn't hard, it's work. It is work, like you can't get around that. Whether you manage it yourself, whether you have a property manager, shit, even doing your taxes. We're doing our taxes right now. It is in a tremendous amount of work to document everything that you do on these rentals. We? Well, <laughs> we. I'm pretty sure I'm the one that's putting all the numbers together and talking to the accountant every day. And I'm, with Alicia. I'm, with, I'm with Alicia. Right? I'm with Alicia. I did that. I handed that off to my husband. Said, you, There's people you, you can pay numbers. to do that. <laughs> Choose your heart, babe. You're so good with numbers. I am not. It's just not for me. So Yeah, you're really good at nagging at me and <laughs> anyway, telling me when anyway, is it done when is it done back to the point it it's not hard you guys it's just it's it's a little extra work yes however you have an asset worth three quarter or you know a quarter of a million half a million whatever that looks like you have an asset worth real money that by the way you put you say that number when you talk about your total wealth that number is in 
your wealth. You are building wealth for you and future generations. So I, I cannot encourage buying an investment property enough. And that leads me to my second question, because I also think the state of Arizona is a lot easier to get into one than like Washington. Washington's tough just with the appreciation and how high those prices have gotten. So if they say, okay, I think I'm ready, but you know, I don't have enough to put 20% down in Washington. What does the market look like currently here? Are there cities where they can get into an investment property for 100K, let's say? Um, I think 100K might depend on the type of property you're looking for, but we are very lucky to be in Queen Creek because where we are is on the cusp of all of the areas that are growing very quickly, including Queen Creek itself. But even Queen Creek in the last three years has grown so exponentially that anybody that bought here is already, the equity they've come across now is is insane. But we're close enough to areas that used to be so far-fetched that people would have never thought that they're ever gonna drive out to Florence or Coolidge. People, I mean, even now, if you're people from Arizona, you say those places and they're like, excuse me, like, why are you, what's out there? But if you go out to those places now, first of all, the infrastructure for roads is in Arizona. It's actually, they build roads usually before they build housing developments, which is a new thing for states. Um, <laughs> instead of building it and then trying to figure out how you're gonna get there. Um, so they have all, you can go out to places like Florence, which again, seems super far away. It's not as far away and there's, it's massive towns going out there with everything that you need. If you would have told people five years ago, two years ago, that there's going to be another target being built in Santan Valley, people would have laughed at you. And it's it's there. It's going. It's going to it's gonna be there. Thank the Lord, by the way. Um, but because we're close enough to those places, if you are, I mean, you have the ability now to be going farther out and getting more for your money, and it's not a hard place to get to. It's not so far away that you can't fathom why you'd be out there and that in doing that you're closer to the airport that's always people's thing if i'm going to come into town i don't want to drive you know an hour and a half from the airport well at the same time do you want to be able to afford what you're doing and there's so much to do between here and there there's so many things to do that you're not going to be driving into the middle of nowhere you have amenities around you in every direction and hikes and places to go and outside activities nature to enjoy that it doesn't feel, I don't know, it doesn't feel in the middle of nowhere anymore. So I think those investment opportunities seem more desirable than they used to, um, especially where we are, because we used to be on the edge of those desirable opportunities and now they're even farther out. So we are in a really amazing location and where it's still affordable. You can still get into, you can get into a brand, a new build down here at less than $300,000. Yeah, when I'm looking for real estate and stuff like that, I always generally start on the outskirts of a place that's developing just because say like a Gilbert or a Chandler, there's no more land left. So the only way for housing prices is to go up because there's no potential for new homes. So if you're looking on the outskirt, there's still potential for new homes and expansion, which means the prices are gonna stay a little more static. But if you get in at the, that point, after it's filled up its land, then the uh, equity goes way up because there's no more land to build on. So all you have is resale. I, I tend to look out there just because you're going to get a better value and a better return on your investment long term rather than trying to find something in the middle of Scottsdale, which is going to be overpriced because you can't build anymore in Scottsdale. There's no space. That's where that's kind of my strategy when I'm looking for places to either invest or things like that. 
Absolutely. I mean, Florence, Coolidge, Maricopa, uh, Buckeye, Casa Grande um, are all booming areas. Lots of new properties. I mean, brand new properties for three fifty to four hundred thousand. They're great rentals. Good access to freeways and activities. I mean, there's lots of opportunity here in Phoenix. Yeah, I I'm excited. I think we're gonna take advantage of that too. I it's just such a an affordable market, and the cool thing is it's where people want to be. It's how people want to live their life in the sunshine, and yeah, can't recommend it enough. If I haven't said that enough times today. Yeah, vacation spots where people want to go is always a great investment because whether it be a short-term rental, medium-term rental, long-term rental, people are always going to end up gravitating towards somewhere that is a vacation spot. Whereas, you know, maybe if you're in northern Minnesota, it might be a little harder. Yeah. You're not dying to go to northern Minnesota? That's <laughs> where my family's from. Yeah, of course. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so I have a question for you guys personally, because I've always wondered, like, do people that like financial advisors, let's say, are they really rich? They must be, right? Because they have the inside track on the stocks that are going to go up that day and they buy a ton of it and they trade a ton of it. And, you know, I always wonder, like people that have the inside track, are they um, at an advantage with knowledge of what they know and then what they go and do with it? So what is your personal investment strategy when it comes to real estate? And if you don't have one, but you have a goal, what would that look like? I can tell you what I wish I knew when yes. when we first bought our first house was the house hacking strategy. Um, I would absolutely have bought something that maybe wasn't our dream house, but was something that we could make money on. So maybe a duplex or something with a guest house or something like that that we could rent out would definitely have been my initial strategy. It's a little harder now with kids, but I think that that's still a great strategy if you're starting out. Yeah, we have a neighbor that has done it several times. They buy a home, stay in it for two years, rent it out, buy another home, stay in it for two years, rent it, rent it out, buy another home. And I think they're up to three rentals now after, you know, six, seven years. And they're to a point where their family's big enough and they're like, oh, okay, we're going to settle down for a bit. But they also have three homes now that they're renting. So it takes a little time, takes a little effort, and you're going to move a lot, which is never fun. But in the end, long term, it's beautiful because you can get into a lot of opportunities and have that passive income long term. Um, for us, we are uh, we started with a like I said, I bought the condo um, up in Washington, and it was before the infamous market crash. Um, however, we were able to hold on to that and live in it for enough time, and then um, move into and then start to rent it out, and. We made the plan. We went and rented ourselves while we got that initial rental income. Um, and once we had the rental income, then we went and bought a, a house, our first house house in Washington. Um, and then we were able to continue renting out the condo from the Washington house. We sold that and we moved down to Arizona and we rented down here mainly because we had, we, we rented out of sight like we didn't see it um we found it online knew the area in kind of that we wanted to be in based on google but you know it worked out <laughs> for us and so we rented and that was our intent and we continued to rent the house up in washington or the condo um 
and just knowing that we had long-term renters in there and we weren't making a ton of money off it, but we were, we had gained all the equity back that we lost in the crash. That was our main thing. And then we decided that we loved Arizona and we wanted to stay. Well, you know, plot twist, we had signed another lease and we thought, okay, we'll just lease this because we love the house and we like the area. Um, we went to a random open house one day that happened to be near a pumpkin patch we were at and we became one of the 1% of people that go in and decide they want to buy that house <laughs> on a whim. Um, and then we were like, wait, can we even do that? Can we do this? We have no, we have no clue. So we, I called to see what the pre-approval was. Like we just tried to see where we were at at the time. It, the house was beyond the jumbo loan limit, and, but we didn't want to do a jumbo loan. Those can be tricky for a lot of reasons. And so we made the decision to do a cash out refi on our investment property because we had not only made up the equity that we lost in the crash, but we had made more. And so we had the ability to take out money against that property. And we were able to buy what I still call my dream house in Queen Creek from without a jumbo loan because we were able to take out enough. Now, the wonderful part to that was that we then had a house down here that we loved and we still had the condo up in Washington to rent, but it became difficult for us. We were managing it ourselves and doing that out of state was really stressful <clears throat> because we didn't know what we were doing mainly. And so we decided to sell the condo. And at the time, thankfully, we were able to still make money on it. And after even, out, even after a cash out refi, we were able to make the money and then 1031 and we 1031 and we were able to buy a house down here to use as a long-term rental. And so our plan is to continue to do that. So now we have enough equity in our own home. We can take out a cash out refi on that and buy another home. My plan, ideally, I would like to wait. My husband would like to wait, you know, the two years and do it again. I would like to wait the three years and do the first time home buyer situation. But, you know, we'll see what that, but that's the plan is we would like to have four rentals. Our plan has always been to ideally have one for each of our children um, for either them to eventually, you know, buy or to be able to use for their own um, income, whatever the, the plan is. But, but that's, so we're kind of in that pathway. It took a long time to get there. Again, it's been, that was a 15 year waiting period, but it worked out great. Yeah, that's why it's so important to get started when you're young, because it does take time. Out of curiosity, um, with the condo up in Washington, even after the cash out refi, did the renter cover your mortgage with the cash out refi or pretty close? Yeah, we kept the, um, with the cash out refi, we actually got new renters right after that. And we were able to increase the rent just enough to cover so we were still making money. I think it was might have been like $11, but we were still making money on it um, after HOAs and because condo HOAs are insane. But we had done the math to make sure that with the new renters <clears throat> that we were still able to cover now what we, and thankfully the rent had increased enough of surrounding that it wasn't out of the question. It didn't seem astronomical. And then when we sold it, we sold it to that renter. As a realtor, we were able, I was able to say, we're going to sell this to you. That's fine. Here's the here's what we're going to do. Here's the lender you're going to use. Here's the realtor we're going to use up there. And we could create those stipulations that made it work in our favor as sellers. And so we didn't have to pay astronomical on our end either. It just worked out really well. So that cash out was basically just a free money mm -hmm. bank of you, right? Yep. To go get your dream home. Exactly. Which is pretty cool. That's very cool. 
And I wouldn't change it because we got our house. <laughs> that was the best part. Well, and now you have multiple assets. You can keep doing that against forever mm -hmm. if you wanted to. And does it like ever dawn on anybody? I don't know why I just thought of this, but Monopoly, when you play Monopoly as a child and you have the property and then you put a house on the property and then you get rent every time that they land on that. And uh, I never did that as a kid. I never bought the house. I My strategy was just to have as many cards in my hand as I could. I wanted to have all the property. But now thinking back, like they are teaching you at a young age that when you buy property and put a house on it, you get paid a shit ton of money. You get None of us ever do that. I don't think I ever played the game long enough at one sitting to get to the point where somebody a put a house game. on it. I think people bought the cards, but we never kept playing long enough to buy put a house on it. Yeah, I probably did the same thing because I was my ADHD kicked in. I'm like, I'm done with this game. I'm not buying anything. You guys can buy all the properties and houses, and I'm just gonna leave when I'm out of money. Yeah. Um, Although that's a that's a great game, like. Yeah, I'm. I mean, it's been forever since I've played that. Maybe we got to bring the kids out and show them a little bit of. There's a kids strategy. version. I, say, I have the Space Jam version. What do you buy to put on that? <laughs> yeah, I have the Incredibles version <laughs> for my kids. You put a house on it. <laughs> Am I buying a basketball player to put on the property? <laughs> There's a new game, Emily. What was the game you were telling me about? That's really good for cash flow. Cash flow. Yes, and cash flow for kids. My kids love it, and it is the best way to teach them about investments what's the game about so it's it's been created by robert kiyosaki who's had amazing success in all things real estate and investments cash flow is a super popular game that that he created that's played i mean there's clubs that get together and play the game but we got the kids version and it's a super easy way for them to learn about assets and liabilities. So that's really what it's teaching you. It's very simple. It's just assets and just liabilities. You know, hey, you got paid rent, you know, you're taking in money. It's just a great way for them to learn. You guys need that game if you don't have it already. Guess we're going on buying it today. It's in the cart. Oh, I'm I sure it is. I haven't been drinking recently, and when I drink, I, I buy my entire Amazon cart. Well, I'll go grab a bottle of tequila and get you started drinking right now, then. No, that's such a good idea, though. And we have talked a lot about we are raising the next generation, and like, how do we make them aware of these power plays and these money moves? And like, forever, money has been so taboo, and you talk about it, then you're bragging or you're arrogant or you're, you know, you're out of line or I don't know. But there is a way to do this and show our children what we're doing and how the investment strategy works. And I think about for college, like, we have a child going to college in a year and wherever she lands we're going to buy a house for her and then have her rent it out to her friends and we just discussed last week that we're going to give her 10 percent of the proceeds every month that way she's not on the payroll we don't have to pay her for stuff she'll get 10 percent of whatever rent she commands and then she'll have to negotiate that with the people living there so we're trying to teach her property management skills life skills and then also like hey we're we're not paying you every month you need to make your own way and and just trying to do that in a way that wasn't done for us. We had no idea how to do any of these things. And we're all the same age. We're all sitting here talking about this today and just hope that we can pass this on, this knowledge on to others and in a way that builds everybody up at the same time. I think a big piece of that is just surrounding yourself with people that have very similar mindsets. And so when you are talking about money, it's not a look at what I have or all these other things. You're 
passing along knowledge to each other because everybody has different experiences, different avenues. They've come up. And just this weekend, we were at a party and randomly met a gentleman and great guy, lives down here, three rentals. And now we're going to go meet him for coffee and learn more about what he did because he had insights that we didn't have and he learned stuff from us. And it's just a matter of communicating all that, all of the information that you have to you know, continue down your path. Yeah. And having conversations about it, just making it normalized to talk about money, real estate, investment, investments. And so my final question for you guys, just knowing what we know about rates and about inventory right now and the being ready. I, I love that there's never the right time to buy real estate. You, you just have to go, right? So knowing all that we know right now, what would you say to somebody who lives in Washington, who is ready to invest, but kind of on the fence? What is the one piece of advice you would give professionally to them in the next three months, let's say? Um, I w I'm working with some people right now that are trying to figure this out. And my honestly, your first step is to talk with a lender and see where you are. And it was the most beneficial piece for them because they had one idea about where they were in terms of being able to move down here. And then but then weren't weren't totally sure but then working with a lender and working with a good lender who we have some amazing lenders that emily and i both work with being able to give them a roadmap for this is what you want to do great here are the things to get you there because yes you can qualify here's here's what you can qualify for are you happy with this amount are you happy with 350 great then we can work with that do you want something more than that great well how about we do x y and z and then we can get you to the next step that's got to be the first step because First of all, you don't want to go looking. You don't even want to look on Zillow or Redfin or Realtor until you know where you are, because what are you doing? You just, you're just, it's like flipping through a book to look at pretty pictures. You don't, you can't know what you're looking at or why you're looking at it until you know where you are. So that's got to be the first step. And then once you have that idea and that information about your current situation, then you just talk to somebody who knows areas and ask the information about, especially if it's not where you are, especially if it's not where you live. Washington's real estate is vastly different than Arizona's real estate. And not just in terms of where you live, but the market and the way it works. And I mean, every piece of paper is different that you go through in a transaction. And so you can't talk to an agent up in Washington about wanting to purchase in Arizona unless they're dual, you know, licensed because the knowledge isn't isn't the same. I would never try to answer questions about the Washington real estate uh, market because I don't understand it up there right now. I don't know. It's not I mean, we I have conversations with agents and brokers up there all the time about what it looks like, but it's different. And so you need to talk to somebody who knows the market that you're looking in just to get some more information. Nobody says that you have to do something right away. The best thing about a prequal is it lasts for 90 days and you can get them within less than 24 hours. So once you have an idea of where you are, then you can start talking and then you don't have to feel like you're in a rush. In 90 days, it's not going to change your world, but it can change it for a positive once you make that decision and decide to move forward. I agree. Find your, your local experts, so your lender, your realtor, find out where you're at on a prequal, and then take a house hunting trip. That's the most fun part, but think about when you buy a new car. You don't generally just see a car and say, okay, I'll buy that one. You get in the car, you smell the new car smell, you touch it, you feel it, you imagine it, you envision yourself driving it. That's 
the connection you want to make to a house and then it becomes more real. It's okay, I can afford this house. I can see myself owning it. I can see myself making money here. This feels right. So it's a feeling on top of just the knowledge. I think a big problem is people don't want to reach out to a broker and really find out the information. So they're going to jump on Google or something like that. And then they're seeing the numbers and they talk themselves out of it. When you talk to a, a lender, they have so many products available to you know, go after a house in different ways and be creative about your financing. And that's why it's so important to have a broker that you trust, because when you are looking at a house, maybe it's a little outside what you're hoping for. You know, you qualify for 350, but this is the house I really want. All right, let's go back to the drawing board. We can change up the lending strategy. We can still get you into that house without any additional risk on you. 100%. And there's lenders that do what's called mortgage planning. So it's it's not just a, okay, let's see what you qualify for right now. It's, okay, here's my goal. Here's the house I want to buy. And then the lender says, okay, let's look at your entire portfolio, your credit, everything, and let's see how we can make that happen for you. What can we cut? What can we add? You know, where can we pull more money? That kind of thing. So finding a good lender is is definitely key. And realtors have great connections with lenders. So um, in Arizona, as Tiffany mentioned, we have our own crazy paperwork and we require um, prequals be done on Arizona forms. So it's good to have a local lender that knows all the local forms, the local laws, everything like that. So um, that's a huge piece of advice. If you're buying somewhere out of where you're currently living, find a lender in that area that is local. And some lenders, <clears throat> thankfully, are actually, a lot of times we'll find our dual certified in both states. So if you're wanting to do like a cash out refi on a house that's in Washington, but you wanna be purchasing in Arizona, we have multiple lenders that can do both of those transactions because they are certified in both states. You don't have to do one thing to do the other thing separately. You can actually have somebody doing both sets of paperwork for you because they're certified in both locations. And that's super helpful because then you're not having to submit paperwork to two different people and trying to make sure that they're in contact with each other and that the numbers are the same for everybody. If you can find somebody who's certified in both locations, which I think because there's so much movement between Washington and Arizona, they, that happens to be very common now, that they can do both. And that's a big, that makes it a lot easier for you um, in the process, because like I said, you're not trying to, to play, do, you're not trying to do double duty on your own work. You get to do one set, they take all your information and they can get both things done for you. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, having somebody that is in both states is invaluable actually. I know that we found one that was up in Washington as well as down here, and they've been absolutely amazing at helping us make decisions and providing advice to us. So find one in every state if you can. Yeah, no, having that team, we talk about that a lot. You know, regardless of where your lot in life is, having that team of experts surrounded that help you succeed. And that is what you guys are. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for doing this. And then the, the last piece is just where can our listeners find you if they're ready to seek out a property in Arizona? Um, um, each of us are both on Facebook. Instagram. And Instagram. We're at the same brokerage. 
So if you look at Sold by Limitless in Arizona, you'll find Emily and I both on there. And it's local to Queen Creek, but we sell all over the valley, east and west. But we're very knowledgeable about especially the East Valley, which is the one that's growing very quickly. We're readily available. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both. What's your guys' handles on Instagram? Mine is tiff, T-I-F-F dot Miller one dot 11. Yeah. Oh, I just changed mine. You're going to, it's Emily sells AZ, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll write those down for you too. Yep. We'll put it in the show notes. Way to Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> we will figure it out. Uh, um, so I want to end with just one other thing. And that is the question on a dime segment. So I want to end with one or two questions that are just random questions to learn a little bit more about who's on the podcast. So if you could only have one hobby for the rest of your life, what would it be? Thinking, thinking, Jeopardy. No pressure. No. Mm -hmm. Hobby. Hobby. Does listening to podcasts a hobby? Yes. Then I would probably do that. Because like you can, it's everything. It covers everything for me. It covers what I'm interested in. It covers what I need to learn about. It covers mind-numbing <laughs> entertainment. Um, but it helps you grow, but it also helps you just get through life and, I don't know, enjoy things. I just, I love listening to podcasts and all different sorts. So that's probably a hobby I would like to do. Interesting. Okay. I like that. I like that too. I don't know that I can pick just one. This is tough. You have to. Why? That's the whole point. I know. No. I disagree. I can't pick one. I don't know. I I don't know. I love that idea because I love the the mind-numbing true crime mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is one of my okay, faves. Okay, put a caveat on that now. You can't pick the same thing that other, okay. the other person oh, picks. <laughs> Way to make it more difficult. I might pick like hiking. I love to be outdoors. It's something you can do all over the world and see different views and perspectives and it's good for you physically and mentally. Good one. What would you pick, Tim? Yeah, no pressure, Tim. (laughs) Well, I'm going to pick shooting because I love going out and shooting the guns and going to competitions and things like that. So my new one is shooting. Hmm, you might be from Enumclaw. <laughs> I don't have a rifle in my back window in my truck, but... <laughs> but there's room for one. <laughs> what would and you say? Um, reading. Yeah, like forever. It's basically the old version of podcast. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Reading will never old die. Right. You're, yeah. an, you're an old soul. It will just escape into another world. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge and expertise. And we look forward to working with you guys more and seeing you all the time. And without further ado, we will end the podcast there and tell everybody have a great week. Thank you. If you like this episode, be sure to hit that like button and subscribe to get notifications on new episodes. If you're interested in seeing more, you can follow Alicia on Instagram at dollars on a dime or Tim at Braun Residential. Have a suggestion for future topics? Drop us a comment. Until next time, remember, if you're waiting for the right time to start achieving your goals, you'll never take a step forward. Start their journey today, even if it's terrifying. The journey will never get shorter 
without moving forward.